What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked On Bucks, and maybe Milwaukee have taken a big step towards clinching the two seed. We'll get into that. They beat the Celtics. Uh, it was a weird game. Uh, number of stars missing for Boston, but the Bucks got it done in the fourth quarter when they needed to. They're certainly not looking to duck anyone. It doesn't appear so, uh, which is no surprise to us. But we're going to break this game down, so let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. We are just minutes after the Bucks finally beat the Celtics. And of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, whether you're listening or you're watching on YouTube as well. We really appreciate it. The final score, 127 to 121. We found out earlier in the day that the Celtics weren't going to have Jason Tatum. They weren't going to have Al Horford. And I think with Camille, we kind of speculated on yesterday's show that this would be the case just based on the fact that there aren't too many contending teams that are willing to play their stars on back-to-back nights at, at this point in the season, Frank. But what that did set up is a scenario where the Bucks probably should win this game. The Celtics got really hot from three. You know whoever wins this game is in the box seat to finish in the two seed, which, depending on who you are, you may feel a certain way about that. But with the Sixers also losing to Toronto tonight, uh, the Bucks have put themselves in a situation where it looks like, depending on what happens these last two games, that the two seed might be where they finish up. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're still going to need some help, though, because, um, like, we were talking about, right? I mean, it's like they have the Pistons on the road, like, you know, Pistons are terrible, but and the Pistons have incentive to lose because the Pistons are literally a, a one win away from losing, going from fourteen percent to twelve and a half percent, or whatever in the or or tie for the twelve and a half percent in the lottery odds. But we know better than to assume the Pistons are just going to be you know cannon fodder, especially because I don't think we expect the Bucks' best players to play tomorrow night, and so who knows? So I don't know. I mean, and the other thing too is they have Cleveland on Sunday in Cleveland. Cleveland right now, I mean, they're, I think, a game up on the seven seed. So there's a good chance they have, will have something to play for on Sunday. And they've obviously had a lot of injuries, um, especially, I, I, you know, Jared Allen obviously be the kind of principal one. But um, I, I, I really wanted them to win this game because I wanted to get them to 50 wins because I wasn't sure if they're going to win either of the next two games. It looks so, nice. Uh, yeah, 50 feels a little bit better. feels a lot better than 49, uh, even though it's just one win different. Um but I, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if anybody really, it feels like a little bit of a game of hot potato among these kind of the two to four teams. And part of that is the rest factor. I think with the Bucks, it's more of a rest factor. And also I think just tonight we saw again, like they just can't be bothered to deal with the, to care about the regular season in the way that we know they would have in years past. Um, and obviously 
um, you know, winning a game, barely winning a game against a team like the Celtics when they didn't have obviously a number of key players. Um, not an impressive performance by any stretch tonight. So um, if they win the two, get the two seed, I think they'll be kind of backing into that two seed. But again, I, does anybody else want the two seed? I don't know. Boston has Memphis in Memphis on Sunday, but Memphis has their seeding all locked up. So they don't really have anything to play for, but the Grizzlies also seem to be awesome no matter who they put on the floor. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't really have any way of predicting really what, what this weekend will hold. Um, I think we'll see Giannis, Chris, and Drew probably one more time. Uh, I don't expect to see them tomorrow night in Detroit, which again is one more reason why the NBA needs to just like figure out how to just not have back-to-backs um, because it's, you get these, all these games that are just, you know, these B team type things, but, um, but yeah, not, um, we'll see how this weekend goes, but it just feels like the Bucks are just sort of trying to survive the last weekend of the regular season and just get to the week off and see who they're going to play. And, you know, as, as you said, I don't think they're ducking anybody, but I don't think they're, you know, gunning for the two seed either. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I have a little bit of kind of mixed feelings about it because, um, you know, on the one hand, we've seen the Bucks can win any playoff series, regardless of whether they have home court. They did it against the Nets and Suns last year. Um, but as we've pointed out before, I mean, they were 10 and one at home in the playoffs and six and six on the road. So all things being equal, I would like to have home court advantage. And as we're seeing, if you want home court, you know, against everybody but the Heat, you can pretty much have it if you're if you're one of these teams. But does anybody want it? Um, given the health stuff, and perhaps for uh, Philly and Boston, I don't know. I don't know how much they're trying to avoid the Nets. But with the way that the Sixers lost in Toronto tonight, do the Sixers want the four seed? Because they have lost now at least a couple times that I've seen in the last few weeks to the Raptors, and I don't think anybody likes playing the Raptors. So it's a very fine needle threading exercise. All these teams might like to have the three seed, um, but uh, only one of them is going to get it. And to engineer that is very difficult. And again, I, as we've been saying all along, I don't think the Bucks are going to try to engineer anything, um, but we'll see, we'll see how this weekend goes. Well, the Sixers were winning that game 17 to two at the gate. So I thought, and I saw a little uh, ESPN or uh, sorry, TNT did a, a little game update. And when I saw that it was 17 to two, I was like, okay, the Sixers want to win this game. That's cool. I didn't see another score update until they'd lost the game. But you could make the case that the Bucs didn't really want to win this game too much tonight by some of the closeouts on the three-point line, perhaps some of the butterfingers that were going on in the fourth quarter. But what about Daniel Tice with the blown layup in the end? Was he just terrified of Giannis, or did he intentionally miss this layup? That is the question for me coming out of this game. Well, the way, I mean, it kind of rimmed in and I mean, it, it kind of did everything but go in. So if he's able to hard, miss, yes, yeah, if yes. he's able to intentionally miss shots like that, then he really is that that would be some very fine German engineering on his part. Um, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it, in a weird way fitting. I mean, it, it feels like, I don't know if all these teams saw Luca just, you know, go right at Giannis and roast him repeatedly in one-on-ones on Sunday and just hitting shots in his, in his eye. And now everybody's trying to do that. It feels like we've seen teams attacking Giannis uh, a lot this week in switches and stuff like that. We saw the Bucks switching most of the night tonight, um, other than we didn't see a ton of Brooke Lopez tonight, but even Brooke was in some switches. But 
Bobby, they were switching all night long. Giannis, they were switching all night long, which is kind of ironic because the Celtics are are sort of the switch everything team, and they were not switching for large portions, given um, given that they've uh, been missing some injuries or missing some guys with injuries. Um, and yeah, Marcus Smart went at Giannis. Jalen Brown went at Giannis. Pretty much anybody was able to go at Giannis and score. Um, again, I think you know watching that game was like yeah. Yeah, Giannis, not defensive player. He's not one defensive player of the year. Bucks getting lit up again with a 120 defensive rating tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it, I think both both fan bases probably would have been pretty annoyed with some of the turnovers in the fourth quarter. Um, the Bucks forced a number of turnovers. The Celtics forced a number of turnovers. Alternatively, you could say both teams were just rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, kicking, you know, the ball away left and right. It was not a very clean game down the stretch, but the Bucks, as as they've been wont to do, uh, what did they finish the game on a 9-0 run? I think um, that's just sort of been the story of the past, you know, call it month or whatever it's been since the All Star break, nearly since that that uh, that Nets game that they lost at home. They've just been almost automatic in these late game situations, and so um, they do it again tonight, but certainly not in terribly convincing fashion, but. They kind of do what they need to do. And Bobby Portis, I mean, you know, Bobby Portis is a guy that was struggling, you know, for, for a few weeks there. Um, nice to see him come through with, with a really big game tonight. 27 minutes, 17 points on 11 shots, seven rebounds. He was plus 28. Giannis was a minus one tonight in 38 minutes. In the 10 minutes that he was off, the Bucks were plus seven. And Bobby was plus 28, which doesn't really seem possible. In a game, you win by six. That, that, that one guy would be plus 28, but, you know, that's obviously plus minus can be funky in a single game sample, but, um, but fun to see Bobby getting his, his swagger back a little bit, because obviously he's a guy that, you know, we're going to want to see um, playing with confidence in the playoffs. And I mean, I thought Bobby on switches, I think you can argue, you know, especially because it's the way that, that Boston was shooting it. I mean, 21 out of 50 from three. You could argue, and, and Stan Van Gunny was pointing out that they were a bit soft on the switches in terms of contests. Yeah. Um, but I thought for the most part, I mean, again, like I mean, Marcus Smart was seven of twelve from three tonight. You know, this was like, you know, as as good of a Marcus Smart offensive performance as you're ever going to get. Um, he's not going to do that typically. <laughs> typically, if if he's pulling up for off the dribble threes against Bobby Portis in, in a situation like that, you're okay with him. He's a 32.6% shooter on the season. He's a 32.1% shooter for his career. This was obviously a, an aberrant uh, night shooting for him and, and the Celtics in general. But um, but again, last game, we talked a lot about Brooke Lopez and how good it was to see Brooke Lopez really exploring the space and looking like vintage Brooke Lopez, or at least vintage Bucks Brooke Lopez. And tonight, um, you know, Brooke had 15 tonight, but seven out of 16. So maybe not an outstanding shooting night. Did have a couple of nice alley-oops, which were refreshing to see. Um, but Bobby really did a nice job off the bench, giving them that shot in the arm on a night when, you know, missing Grayson Allen, obviously he's been playing well off the bench. And so they needed some spark off the bench. And obviously Bobby was able to give that to him. Yeah, shout out to Brooke Lopez for listening to Locked On Bucks and listening to Frank a couple of nights ago when he said that uh, on a couple of those finishes, he was kind of like flipping them up, not looking to throw down the dunk. So uh, shout out to Brooke for just putting us uh, our minds. It was Hawks game five. That was Hawks game five, Brooke Lopez there with those on those two alley-oops. It was. SVG at one point was mentioning the fact that it must have been a, a season record. And and the great Brian Anderson, by the way, who uh, 
who, who said uh, mentioned the Milwaukee as the good land several times in the broadcast, which I appreciated, uh, said, well, he's only played 12 games, Stan, so maybe it's not all that impressive. So I like that call uh, from Brian Anderson. I also like betonline.net, our sponsors of the podcast here. It's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And Miami did clinch the number one seed tonight, so that's one seed that we do know that's locked in in the East. But if you want to look ahead to the NBA title race or certainly the Eastern Conference champions, you can get all those odds at betonline.net. And you can also get the Masters Championship odds. Uh, There's podcasts, there's reviews for all different leagues that are going on right now, including baseball started today. What is going on? I didn't didn't even realize that. As an Oakland Athletics fan... I officially don't care about baseball. But Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So I guess, and look, we can come back to the game. But as I woke up this morning, I think the big news for the day was the George Hill injury update. Now, Listen, let's just say this year that probably the Bucks haven't had the best track record at being openly transparent about injuries in the back area when it comes to Brooke Lopez having a bit of back soreness and then having what was seemingly pretty major back surgery. Uh, George Hill, who spoke to the media today and uh, I guess for the first time reporters on the spot got the chance to really ask him what was going on with this neck soreness that just lingered and lingered and lingered. So he suffered a partial tear of a disc between the T6 and T7 vertebrae, which, by the way, I didn't look this up. Last time I mentioned uh, any type of uh, bones or body areas, uh, you really quickly shut me down, and I was very wrong. But I, I believe, from what I saw in the Twitter comments, that this is sort of the mid to high back area. So yeah, maybe this a transferred pain to the neck or something like that. But either way, this, is, this sounds like anytime you hear that kind of stuff, the vertebrae, and a tear and all sorts of stuff going on, discs and back. It's not bloody good. Now, he said it feels a lot better now, and the only alternative was surgery, which have, would have ended his season. And who knows, with George Hill's age, maybe ended his career. Who knows? So he's back out there playing right now. He says it feels better, but he's clearly carrying this injury. The one thing that really pissed me off the most about this uh, was not anything to do with George Hill. But I'm scrolling through Eric and Jim and everyone that's tweeting these reports. And I'm reading the comments, and it's not everyone, but it was a significant amount of people that were saying, do us all a favor, George, and go get the surgery. Now, I tell you what, it's not hard not to be an asshole, Frank. Let me just tell you that. So if the guy's got this back injury, fine. If you really want Javon Carter to play, I totally get it. But you don't have to be an asshole. We don't want George Shield to get back surgery if he doesn't need it. People just need to... Just be nice, Frank. It's not hard to just be a nice person. It just really pissed me off. I started my day annoyed by Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, and, and I was just looking it up. It looks like it's, and it's interesting because, I mean, the way it was reported was always that he had, you know, it was like a neck, neck soreness, neck injury. Um, and when you look at like a, a picture, a diagram of where this is, it, it is, I mean, it's maybe slightly on the upper side of the back, mm-hmm. but it's not like, you know, the T67 is not like in his like neck or something like that. So it is interesting. Again, we're, we're not going to try to explain the, <laughs> yes. the injury mechanism here or something like that, or why that could cause in, pain in his neck. Um, you know, I think we need to have Eric like yell at George when he's not looking and see if he like turns around like this, or if he, you know, can actually move his neck easily. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's been interesting that 
I mean, he's come back and I mean, again, he's barely shot the ball. It's been sort of an ex- almost an extreme version of George Hill in terms of not looking that aggressive at all for his offense usage, just, you know, that much. That is his usage right there. I don't know if you can see that. For the I mean, audio that's listeners, his, that's his, uh, that's his usage rate. Tiny. Yeah, I'm world, tiny, world's tiniest violin player slash George Hill's usage rate. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, the, you know, Bud, Bud is not, you know, managing his his time that much. I mean, he's still the primary backup point guard. We did see Javon Carter in stretches tonight, sort of sliding in with, with Grayson Allen out. Um, but I, I think the biggest concern you have, aside from just obviously George's health, is, you know, is it going to limit him to the point where he continues to play? So it's not so bad that he can't play, but he's, you know, diminished enough that, you know, it obviously hurts his ability to, to contribute um, and, and help the team. And, you know, and then obviously it opens you up to the second guessing, right, of, oh, well, should Javon Carter have gotten those minutes? Now, I think probably, I think probably the, I would hypothesize maybe the bigger impact on this would be if it does limit him and limit his effectiveness. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that like Javon Carter gets his minutes, but certainly Bud can do other things to moderate how much, George is going to play because we know Drew Holiday is going to play 40, 42 minutes at least every night. So, you know, you need six to eight backup point guard minutes. Um, so if George Hill's playing six minutes, something like that, the question is like, does he not get any minutes then with Drew Holiday, right? Does Grayson Allen pop into more minutes? Wes Matthews, Pat Connaughton, you know, those guys may absorb more of those minutes that, you know, under normal circumstances, George Hill, if he's playing at a high, higher level, if he's healthier, maybe he gets that minutes. But, but again, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see sort of what, what this, you know, what it looks like once we get to the playoffs, but certainly all indications are that, you know, he wants to continue playing George plays 14 minutes tonight and ends up getting, I mean, this crucial sort of game clinching steal, which was basically just Jalen Brown. I mean, obviously he was defending Jalen Brown well, and then, ball bounces off, you know, he kind of tries to do a crossover, bounces off his foot, and George goes the other way and um, gets – his one basket didn't actually go through the basket because <laughs> Daniel Tice goaltended it. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was hoping it wasn't going to be ruled a goaltend, Kane, because I was hoping – because Giannis got the the rebound and put it back for a dunk. So I, I was hoping, you know, that it would be like the uh, – the remember the Devin Booker uh, foul out that wasn't a foul out and, and Giannis was Johnny on the spot to, uh, to get a put back last year in that Suns game. Um, so I was selfishly hoping Giannis could pick up another, Typical. but, um, but instead George gets the, gets credit for the, for the bucket and, and that, you know, basically sealed the game. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I think the other interesting thing, I mean, George Hill has a two-year contract, right? I mean, you want George Hill to be healthy for the start of next season, does this mean he's likely to get surgery in the off season? Does this mean if he does, we'd ha- we'll have to, I mean, we'll, we'll have to look into this, right? Like we'll, what would that mean for uh, a rehab stint to come back from this? If it's, you know, three months, then okay. You do it in the off season and hopefully you're, you're ready to go um, somewhere around the regular season. But um, you know, again, obviously with, with guys, especially like George, who's, who's on the, the later end of their career, latter end of their career, you got to be careful. And it is interesting that, that we found that out today. I think we, I mean, we were sort of saying like, after that injury kept lingering, we were sort of saying like, are we going to get, you know, the, 
the the tweet today that George Hill is having surgery and is out for the season. Like it, it felt like we were starting to get into that territory. And so I don't think it was necessarily shocking to hear that today because he was out quite a while with, with that injury. Um, but obviously, yeah, I mean, you just have to be happy that he's playing and, you know, playing real minutes and hopefully can, you know, uh, based on his comments, hopefully he'll continue to feel better. Um, you know, hopefully he's talked about cortisone shots. Hopefully he doesn't need the Ben Simmons epidural, <laughs> but who knows at this point. So you're suggesting that some part of you uh, may hope for the Bucks to get booted in the first round so George Hill can duck in, duck in for yeah, surgery get, and get, get ready. Let's get George Hill back healthy for next year. That's all that really matters. All right, all right. Let's get, get DeAndre get DeAndre Bembry um, re-signed since they released yes. him. Get get DeAndre Bembry back, you know, by uh, by late next season. Get George Hill healthy, and then you can make your real run next uh, in the in the twenty twenty three playoffs. By the way, you mentioned DeAndre Bembry, obviously cut uh, earlier today. Uh, as a fellow ACL brother, uh, my heart goes out to to Bembry, who you know we thought you know there was a chance, depending on health, and we thought he was going to be a solid. A depth piece anyway, certainly through the playoffs, and it sucks for him on what really was an awful night in San Francisco. Let's be honest. That was a rough night all around for the Bucks. And uh it sucks when a player's injured and they get cut. I understand, you know, why and, and what goes into that, but it's still it still uh still sucks for him. I tell you what doesn't suck, that's built bar, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. And uh you guys know well, it's a weekend here. It's Friday afternoon. I'm about to head back home to Geelong. And uh, I got to sit on the train for about an hour, hour and a half, going to the to the Aussie footy tonight to watch my team play. And uh, the, I hate the train, but the only thing that's going to get me through this train ride is a built bar. Uh, probably a, a coconut almond built bar actually will probably do the trick. It'll get me through to game time. Maybe I'll have one at halftime as well. Either way, uh, I know that if you go to a sports game, sometimes you can eat these unhealthy foods. For me, fitness freak, as everyone knows. I prefer to just have a built bar. And uh, if you aren't into the coconut almond, why don't you try mint brownie? Uh, there's there's also uh, white chocolate cookies and cream that you might be into as well. All the flavors are delicious and there's new flavors coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they're going to find a way to get it done, make it delicious, and then they'll figure out how it's uh, healthy for you after that. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at build.com. Uh, Frank, you can get into the game if there's anything else you want to talk from this, but I did want to say, shout out to the man, Dan Smichek, who uh, was uh, presented with a, looked like some sort of framed pitcher plaque type thing before the game tonight by Bud John Horst and uh, company up there. Peter Fagan, I think, was up there on, on stage as well. Uh, Dan is the the PR. I don't, I don't know what he's actually vice president. I think he's VP of PR is his, 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 his title. Official title, yeah. So Dan is the man that's he's running all the the press conferences. He's with these guys. He travels with the team everywhere they go, taking care of the media, all sorts of other responsibilities. He's got. You always see him sitting there, lots of airtime. He's always getting lots of airtime on the TV, sitting at the scorers' table as well. Uh, but uh, honestly, for me, when I moved to Milwaukee, I wouldn't even be doing this career anymore if it wasn't for Dan. I was emailing him all the time, asking him a bunch of questions. Uh, he was helping me out a lot. So Dan is an all-round great bloke, Frank. And I know that he's been good to Brew Hoop in the past as well. So for me, uh, shout out to Dan. 25 years is a long time uh, to be with the franchise, and he does an excellent job. Yeah, I mean, when when I started writing 2007, um, you know, those were the days of like, 
bloggers versus traditional journalists and <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And you know, the irony now is that so many of the best beat writers and NBA journalists out there, including our friend Eric Name, you know, grew up kind of making their name through, you know, I mean, Eric obviously wrote a group a while. He was at um, Milwaukee Mag, he was at ESPN Milwaukee, um, ESPN Ashwabanan, ESPN Sockville. He, made, he really made his way through all the ESPNs. Um, and it it's cool how now we sort of take for granted that, you know, doing what Eric did, doing what you've done is a way to actually become like, you know, a legitimate journalist. And I mean, Kane Pittman, you're on TV in Australia every freaking weekend, right? I mean, you're on ESPN in Australia every weekend. Like, that's pretty damn cool. Um, but back, you know, th 13, 14 years ago, um, you know, some, a lot, a lot, most, a lot of teams didn't really like know what to do with people like, like me and, and us and, and, and those kinds of people, because it wasn't what we were there used to seeing. And, um, you know, Dan and the Bucks credentialed first Alex Boder, who started Brew Hoop with me. And then, you know, a string of people that have come through Brew Hoop, including obviously Eric and Aaron Johannes and um, uh, Gabe Stoltz doing it now. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm totally blanking now on, on other wonderful people I've done. I don't think Mitchell's ever actually gone to a game. I, I'm trying to think if Kyle Carr has, I don't know if Kyle's actually been credentialed at games, but well, whatever, right? Like, you know, like bottom line, um, the Bucks and Dan were willing to give people like us a chance and go to games and show that, hey, like, you know, we're professionals and we can do a good job and we're hungry and we want to, you know, really tell stories. And um, and so shout out to Dan for, you know, being ahead of the ahead of the curve and, and you know, being open to, to people like us um, and have had a chance to kind of get to know Dan a bit over the years. And he was a great dude. Um, you know, uh, he's a Tottenham Hotspur fan. <laughs> which, you know, is, 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 is a little tough. Uh, but, you know, I, he's one of those people I was really happy for when the Bucks won a title because, you know, Dan's been there 25 years. That's a long time to be in Milwaukee. And a lot of that time was, was not the, the most fun to be there in terms of the Encore product. So, um, you know, just another person. I mean, Dustin Godsey, we obviously has been on our show um, a number of times. You know, the people that kind of were there through some of the worst of it, um, it's it's fun to see them uh, get to be world champions alongside the players, uh, and uh, and obviously big congrats to Dan tonight. So um, again, P the the PR folks behind the scenes obviously um, make a lot of what what we take for granted possible, right? In terms of media access and you know all that stuff. So yeah, big shout out to Dan. And by the way, Dan, I, I used to actually bug Dan about um, I'd like text him when Giannis wouldn't get assists or blocks and things like that, and on more than one occasion, he actually went and talked to scores tables on behalf of us, Bucks Nation. <laughs> We're going to make sure Giannis got his stats. I've kind of given up on even trying to bother with bugging Dan about it because it's just like I, you know, got, I, I need to get a life. But, um, but yes, among the many things that Dan does for for Bucks Nation, um, fighting for Giannis's stats, which is something that obviously is is near and near and dear to my heart. But, um, but yeah, cool, cool to see that before the game, and um, obviously. Uh, Dan's, uh, Dan's been great to us, and he's been great for the franchise. Absolutely. Now, this game against Detroit, uh, of course, Bud, uh, like all good and experienced NBA coaches, was asked the question after the game, who's going to play today in Detroit, tomorrow in Detroit? 
and he said, oh, we're going to sit down with the medical team and we'll work through it and we will decide who we think should be playing in this game against Detroit. Uh, we'll see what goes on here. But it is kind of crazy. I went through some of the things last night on the podcast with Boogie Cousins starting the last time the Bucks played the Celtics. Jabari Parker playing 15 minutes. It's been a long-ass season, Frank. And now to get to this point, it does feel a little bit different for me anyway. Like when you talk about seeding and you said that, you know, I mean, in theory, I think if you honestly had a choice of who your first-round opponent is, you'd probably say, well, let's play the Bulls. Let's not play the Brooklyn Nets. But being in this position a year later, timing was a little bit different, but a year later, uh, having already won the title is a little bit different. I, I just, the anxiety level feels a little bit different around the team to where it was uh, certainly last year, which is cool, but I'm definitely ready. We've had some big games the last few weeks. Uh, it feels different watching some of these games. It was a shame tonight that some of the sting was taken out of it with the players out of the, out of the lineup, but uh, just two regular season games to go. By the way, the first 82-game season post-pandemic as well, so it's been a while since we've had to go through this type of grind to get to the postseason, but it's felt like a long-ass season, to me at least. Yeah, I mean... Uh, just obviously a fundamentally different season than any that we've been through because yes. we have not experienced what it's like to go through the season knowing that you are the champion, knowing that there is no doubt that this group can can kind of pull it together and, and win a title um, at the end of the day. Um, I would say it's also sort of been, it's kind of funny. I have not, I, I know, I'm sure a lot of fans, you know, are more like, ah, I just want to get to the playoffs and get in the playoffs. Um, I, I've been, and we talked about it before the, the regular season, I really wanted to sort of savor the regular season this year mm. in part because you'd be going through the season as the defending champs. There wouldn't be the night to night pressure during the regular season. Cause you're not having to just like validate yourself on a, you know, Tuesday against whoever the six seed or something that like, yes, you're legitimate and all the way. Right. Like, um, so you could kind of rise above sort of the day-to-day narrative swings that inevitably happen, you know, especially for all of us that are sort of deep in the Twitterverse. Uh, so I, that's one part of this I kind of enjoyed, right? Like the anxiety could never reach the heights that it would in previous years um, because just of that fundamental backdrop of what happened last year. Um, that said, it was also kind of like, in a weird way, there were certain, in certain respects, some of the losses and some of the play that wasn't as good was more frustrating because you knew how good this team was, right? Um, so in some ways, it was more like, uh, you know, like they're they don't really care, <laughs> or like, or they care less than yeah. they ever have, right? Because last year they obviously approached the regular season differently and clearly did not, you know, experimented more, blah blah blah, and were rewarded with a championship. So you knew that, you know, I, I remember preseason, like I think Tim Bontemps made some prediction that like the Bucks were going to win the East and they yeah. were going to come out like wanting to prove, you know, that they were the best team in the East or whatever. And I was, and we were just like, eh, that doesn't sound like this Bucks team after what they did last year and regular season. And then when it's title. so, you know, unfortunately that was somewhat, that was somewhat validated. It would have been nicer if they, had played at a more consistently high level. And I think certainly the injuries, especially in the early part of the year, were part of that. Um, but even so, even since they've been back, um, I don't know. I, it has not been, you know, it has been the least impressive regular season of the Bud era to me. 
and that's okay. Right. And we'll see where they end up. I mean, they might end up with a better seed this year than they did last year even. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's definitely been a weird regular season. And I, again, can't help but sort of wonder, you know, if they kind of put their foot to the gas a little bit more, they would have been the one seed, right? <laughs> right. I mean, like they, they really didn't have to kind of go a little bit harder, pace themselves a little bit less and they could have been, you know, the one seed in the East and, you know, Giannis could be the front runner for MVP and instead that's not happened. And, you know, again, so it goes bigger, bigger fish to fry at all. But um, Giannis, I, I think we both expect Giannis to play one more game. I was just doing some quick math. I believe he needs 35 in his last game to average 30 for the season. I think the scoring title's out, out the window, uh, given where Embiid is right now. Le- LeBron might not even play again, so he may not even be in, oh, he's in the playing. race. But he's playing. <laughs> I, th- I thought he was, but then they were, I don't know, there was this talk today that like the plan was once they were eliminated to, to sit him, but I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, that's, that's really my goal for the weekend, Kane. Giannis in whichever game he plays in presumably Sunday against Cleveland, he needs 35 to get to 30 points a game for the season. And I fully expect that not to happen. Yes. Um, and he should have scored more tonight and missed some free throws and just generally did not play. I mean, again, like he's just sort of stumbles ass backwards in the 29, 11, five, two steals and a block, right? That's just sort of the way he is. Um, but again, not, not a super impressive night tonight, third straight game that he's been under 30 and, Weird enough, third straight game that he has not made a free throw in the first half, which um, he missed an and one in this first half. But I think teams have generally defended him pretty well these last three games against the Mavs, Bulls, and Celtics. And uh, doesn't really seem like he's, you know, I think he's picking his spots here a fair bit. Defensively, I don't think this was uh, anything like full bore Giannis, um, which I think was part of why they were going at him so much. Um, so not the most impressive end of the season here for Giannis. Nicole Jokic will be your MVP, but that's fine. He deserves it. All right, let's finish this podcast and this week with a completely random stat from at NBA history, the official NBA history account. Uh, now just giving out stats. I don't know how often they do that. Drew Holiday, Chris Melton, and Giannis are the first to have 20-plus points, 8-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists, and 2-plus steals in an NBA game since steals have been officially tracked in 1973-1974. So you might sit here tonight and think that this was just a random win over the Celtics, but it was history. Everyone that was at that game was witnessing history. And uh, isn't it funny we talk about a ho-hum Bucks regular season where they just that where these scrubs just pick up their 50th win. Uh, just pathetic stuff. That used to be the a goal that I didn't think was ever going to happen. And one last point. I've been to before I started doing the media stuff, I'd been to a number of end of season, the uh, fan appreciation nights, the last regular season game, where, you know, if you're lucky and you're a kid, you might get a, a, a dirty Gatorade towel, a sweaty Gatorade <laughs> towel or something like that. That would be your gift. I saw Dustin Godsey tweet out today that all the fans leaving were getting championship caps as they were walking out the door of Fiserv Forum. So uh, that's pretty cool as well. So shout out to Dustin. By the way, and, d- no. yeah, Dustin, Dustin tweeted that like, why was everyone leaving? Yeah, there were people leaving like <laughs> end of the third quarter. At the, start, at the start of the fourth, yeah, end of the third, start of the fourth quarter. It's just like, where do you guys have to be? You know, come on, what's going on? Um, yeah, that was like that, first off, that there should be a rule like you can't get it if you leave before the third Very quarter. Weird I mean, behavior. That that's that's just a party foul right there. But um, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were just annoyed with how annoying 
the Bucks were playing because this was a very annoying. I mean, the the fact that that the Celtics rested Tatum and and Horford immediately like means that like you're not really gonna feel like you've accomplished anything beating them. And then they hit 21 threes and you almost lose to them. And it's just like, whatever, not, not exactly the most fun win. Although yes, history Kane, I, I did not realize history had been made. Um, and Chris Middleton, we, you know, we didn't, you mentioned his name until you said that 22 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. I don't think he scored a point in the last like 15 minutes of the game or something like that. He was at 22 pretty early in the third quarter, I thought. So he kind of took a back seat and, and Drew in particular was uh, was really good down the stretch, but you know again just um, I mean when you talk about sort of the, the the clutch numbers for the Bucks this year, I feel like the fact that Drew has just been so confident, knowing that he can just kind of bully his way into the paint and get you know like a six foot little left handed shot whenever he wants it, um, that's been a nice little sort of late game. And, and fourth quarter cheat code from Drew. And again, four of nine again for, for him from three-point range. You know, what else is new, right? Um, but again, just would be remiss if we didn't give those guys a shout out. And especially Drew, obviously, he's been has been so good all regular season. And again, just you hope that he can keep this up in the playoffs. Because if if he keeps this type of play up in the playoffs, then, then the Bucks become re- really scary on top of what we know that Giannis and, and Chris can do based on what they did last year. No doubt. I think SVG mentioned that he's top 10 in three-point percentage. That's wild. We'll take that in the postseason. That would be uh, very nice. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Pistons game over the weekend. We'll be back early next week, uh, I believe. When is the last game of the season? Maybe the regular season's done by the time we're back with you guys. We'll probably be back after the Sunday. game. Sunday at 2.30 Central time. So, Kane, I don't even want to know what time of day that is for you. I think you'll be watching on tape delay, I assume. Uh, well, I, I'm actually going to the F1 GP on Sunday, so I, oh. I do not. So I do not think that I'll be getting up at 1 a.m. after being at the F1 all day to watch this Bucks and Cavs game. But I'm sure it'll be a beauty, and we'll have a post game so, pod. Wait, wait. So Kane, um, I gotta say, I've I've really gotten to drive to survive F1 yes. here stuff yeah. over the past few weeks. Super bingeable, highly recommended. Yeah. So much F1 talk on NBA Twitter timeline. Yeah. Um, I think we got to blame the no dunks guys and. Great and Gordian and those guys for, for <laughs> being the, the flag bearers on that uh, or flag waivers on that, I guess. Uh, so I assume you're like a Daniel Ricardo fan given yeah. he's Australian, right? Yep. And he's super likable. I, I've, I'm not, I'm Kane. What, what is the meme? I'm, I'm trying to do the meme of the, the two arms, the Rocky and yep. whatever. Uh, you with me? Handshake thing. Yeah. Kane, Frank, not just Bucks, but Daniel Ricardo. I'm, I, I enjoy Daniel Ricardo, but I would say, do you watch Drive to Survive as well? I've seen it. Yes, yes, yes. I I feel like I'm surprised at how likable most of the drivers are. Yeah. Um, that's really what I've enjoyed. I like I I'll probably start watching races again a little bit, and I'm just like, I'm just kind of happy for whoever wins. I don't know. I, I it's almost like I can't enjoy it as much because I don't really I don't like Verstappen that much. No. But um, but I don't hate anybody. I thought I would dislike Lewis Hamilton more, but he seems like a swell guy. I really yeah. like Lewis Hamilton. No, so. uh, seems very, very likable. Uh, by the way, uh, midnight, Saturday night is race time. So you're a night owl, Frank. What else, What the hell else are you going to be doing at midnight? Watch the Aussie. Wait, it's, it's midnight. For you. U.S. time? You're, yeah. Oh, interesting. 
Saturday night. Everyone watch it. You'll see me in the grandstand. It's going to be hot. It's going to be stinking hot. It might be the last hot day of the summer for Australia, so I'll be shirtless in the crowd <laughs> drinking beer. So you're covering the game on a – you're covering it on a credential, it sounds like. Uh, hell no. <laughs> How, how, no. much, wait, oh. how much do tickets how much do tickets cost to the f1 gp in, in australia because in austin i was looking for austin because i'm in this place where the u.s grand prix is and one day tickets like the cheapest tickets for sunday race day were 544 dollars right now it's in october and i'm just like yeah that's okay that's just stupid you know it wasn't i spend you know a thousand bucks on bucks tickets for game six that makes sense to me but a one-off race does not sound sound that reasonable no, Maybe we I, just need to come, I just need to come to Australia and, and go to see a cheap race. Clearly, that'll that'll be be less expensive, right? You know, yeah, we don't have general admission. We got like proper, you know, grandstand seats, and it was like 300, 300 bucks Australian, which is like two hundred, probably two hundred and ten US. So, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're just ripping you off over there, Texas. Can't trust cost them. Cost of living, man. Cost of living in Texas, man. It's uh, it's gotten gotten crazy, but. Uh, all right, we'll get we'll get in some more F1 talk next week. We got to talk about something next week when the Bucks are waiting for their playoff opponent. Well, or if they finish third, then they're not going to have to wait. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk some F1 next week. Though we'll we'll, we'll spend some late podcast time uh, talking about that. I mean, and again, three people are probably listening at this point. So um, shout out to all of you guys. We love you. Yeah, let us know in the YouTube comments who your favorite F1 driver is. Remember this weekend, Bucks Pistons Australian Grand Prix. Bucks Cavs. We'll be back on Monday. We'll catch you guys then.